I love being introduced as someone from New Jersey, especially in the upper Midwest, because automatically I can be rude and you'll give me a pass. <laughs> really, you just got, well, he's from New Jersey. You know how those Northeasterners are. Um, I also know how you Midwesterners are. How you take someone down without them knowing it. <laughs> now, I, I lived for a number of years in Minnesota, and there's some similarities. Like, I like to talk, and I have really great ideas, and people would, when I went to Minnesota, they'd go, well, that's different. <laughs> and I thought they were complimenting me on my uh, originality. Um, but that's okay, I'll give you guys a pass as well. Um, it's great to be here. Uh, over the last few years, developing a friendship with Tom. Um, I mean, Jesus died for him, but he's a pretty good leader, don't you think? Um, I want to pray and get into the message. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit will minister to us while I speak, and then afterwards, when I'm done speaking, I really think God wants to do a lot of things with a lot of people all at the same time. Though our Father in Heaven is a male, He's a great multitasker. You know what I mean? He can do a lot of things with different people at the same time. Anyway, time to pray. Lord Jesus, I thank You for who You are. I thank You for what You've done, what You're doing. But right now, at this moment in time, I thank You that You sent the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome You. We acknowledge you. Not only are you here in our midst, but for those of us who are born again, who are sons and daughters of God, uh, you also live in us. That blows our mind. That the very spirit of Jesus dwells in us. God, if all you did was just show up, that would be great. However, I'm asking you do more than just show up. You're the one that leads us into all truth. You're the one that reveals truth in a way that transforms, not just informs. Holy Spirit, you're the one that sets free. You're the one that communicates the heart, the mind, the passions and purposes of Jesus. You, you're the one who sets people free. You're the one who does this. So I personally surrender to you and your ministry amongst us. Holy Spirit, do your stuff. God, would you do that for our sakes? Do that for the sakes of the people that we say that we love? Do that for the sakes of the people that you're going to entrust to us? And God, do that for the sake of your name that we carry with us wherever we go. Amen. I like movies. Some are pretty violent, no scary ones, but you know, just good old wholesome war movies. How many of you have seen Braveheart? Yeah, right, okay. Um, for those of you who don't, Jesus still loves you, but when you die, no, really, when you die, and you're about to go to heaven, Jesus will go see Braveheart, and if you go no, he'll go, there's this, there's this viewing room off to the side, just watch it, right, and then, then we'll let you in, okay. <sighs> Got to start off with heresy, and then it can only get better. Anyway, um, when Braveheart first came out, I mean, I just loved the movie. It was just good, wholesome violence, and you know, 
I mean, there was nothing gratuitous. That's just how they did things. And um, William Wallace, he just wanted to lead a good life. He just wanted to have a good life. But circumstances were arranged where he had to lead this, this, this movement uh, for freedom for his country. And near the end, uh, the religious guys got him. And this is a spoiler for those of you who haven't seen it, but listen, if you haven't seen it already, you probably will never see it. But if you want to get to heaven, now anyway. <laughs> so here, here, here he is, he's laid out on this board and they're about to, just to gut him, just field dress him right in front of all these people, all right? Yes, I've killed deer in my life. And, uh, oh my gosh. If I said that in Minnesota, people are going, yeah. <laughs> so, and they kept on trying to get him to recant, to confess that he was a, a, a bad Christian and all that. And he just wouldn't. He was stubborn. So the, the, the religious guy, he goes, just confess. And then we'll just kill you quickly. And there's William Wallace or Mel Gibson just sitting there, and he's going, he's trying to talk. And the the religious guy goes, be quiet. The prisoner has some words to say. And I remember watching this going, I wonder what he's going to say. And then with his last breath, he goes, freedom! Now, how I am in movies, if something touches me, I will get up and go, yes! Right? My friends don't like going to movies with me. You know, you know that scene with Gandalf? You know, you shall not pass. I got up and went, yeah! But anyway. So it's freedom! And I went, yeah! And I'm crying. I don't know why. So since I'm a preacher, I have to figure out why I'm crying. And so as I was walking out, I'm going, I'm going to preach on this one day. Why freedom is such a big deal. And then it hit me. Every human being has a deep cry for freedom that, that's so deep, sometimes it's hard to put words around. That we are born with this scream, this desire to experience a deeply satisfying freedom. We're we're built by God to scream in our hearts for real freedom. And it's within that context, we have Galatians chapter five, verse one. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Here's the connection. God created us with this deep, primal freedom, right? And Jesus saying, I created that cry and only I can satisfy that cry. Only I can satisfy that thing that comes from deep within you. Only I can. That's pretty, pretty arrogant of Jesus, but that's okay. He's got this attitude. He, he's fairly convinced he's God. Now, one of the difficult things about freedom is that We have our own opinions about what freedom is. Um, Our culture teaches us what freedom is. Um, 
the, the world system teaches us what freedom is. And then, then there's the, the freedom that Jesus provides. And I'm telling you, there's no connection. There's no partnership between the freedom that Jesus has for us and all the other imposters. There, there's no connection. At least that's what scripture says. Freedom, the kind that we are screaming for, freedom is not double underlined. Freedom is not doing what we want. Freedom is not thinking whatever we want. Freedom is not choosing whatever you want. Now, I'm not against thinking. I'm not against choosing. I'm not against doing. But there's this idea, um, there's this idea that real freedom is I get to choose whatever I want to do whatever I want without consequence. That my world is my safe space. I get to choose to, I get to think whatever I want because I have the right to think whatever I want. Now you're all looking at me like I'm some real weirdo. Just hold on, just hold on. I'm I'm not a religious weirdo. I'm just a regular weirdo. (laughs) Or I get to choose what I want. If I want, really want, to be a giraffe, I can go, I'm a giraffe. And my personal pronoun is <laughs> Because I'm free to choose, okay? I just made that up. There's this idea this very humanistic idea that freedom has to do with our ability to determine what we think, what we do, what we choose, to do all that without any input, without any influence, without any regard to what we were created for. It's just this radical freedom. The problem is, Nobody has ever, ever been free in that sense. It's a fiction, it's a lie, it's a fantasy. I used to be a philosophy professor. I used to teach stuff like this, so I know what I'm talking about, right? This radical freedom, and that's, that's the root of a lot of things that we see going on in our world today. Scripture teaches us that we're gonna be a slave to something will be the slave to the one we obey. We can obey our culture. We can obey our past. We can obey peer pressure. We can obey our culture. And all these things, when we give ourselves over to them, we're actually obeying those things. And here's the thing. When we obey those things, they never satisfy that deep heart cry for freedom. Never. Have you ever tried to serve yourself for a while? After a while, it gets pretty boring, pretty unsatisfying. Or go ahead, just selfie your way to happiness, right? There's a, there's a whole bunch of things that we give ourselves to, we, we obey, and they don't satisfy this deep cry for freedom. When we, are, when we obey Jesus, when we're enslaved to him, when he's our priority, That's where 
that cry for freedom starts getting satisfied. Real freedom, the freedom that we are designed to live and experience, has to do with knowing Jesus, trusting Jesus, and obeying Jesus. Uh, and it's a process. You, you don't know all of Jesus all at once. You don't trust everything all at once. You know, you don't obey all the things that Jesus wants. It's a process. But to the extent that we develop a real live relationship with the real Jesus, then to that extent, that, 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 that scream for freedom starts getting satisfied. Have you ever been around someone that you really like and they like you and you admire them and just hanging out with them and talking about the weather? And just talking about anything, you just feel good. You, you feel safe. You feel invigorated. Well, that's, that's what happens when we develop a real live relationship with the real Jesus. It's like that feeling, but on steroids. Right? It's great to know about Jesus. It's great to teach about Jesus. It's, a lot, it's great to have a lot of accurate knowledge about Jesus. But that can't replace Real, live, everyday communion with Jesus. And to the extent that we develop that relationship with Jesus, then to that extent, we start experiencing how God satisfies that cry for freedom. To the extent that we learn to trust Jesus, then to that extent, we start experiencing that kind of freedom. Now, for those of you who are born-again Christians, not simply people who believe in Jesus, okay, because even the demons believe that Jesus is who he says he is, Okay, uh, it has to do with, yes, you're Jesus here, I'm yours. And then, then, when there's a surrender. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. If you're a Christian, you have trusted your past, your present, and your future to Jesus. Yes, you have. Oh, Lord, I trust you. Great. Now that he's, have you ever given your life to Jesus? Just give your life to Jesus. One of these days, he's going to tell someone, Thank you for giving me what I paid for. Isn't that sort of funny? Like we're giving, doing God a favor by giving our lives to Jesus. But anyway, Jesus, I trust you. And he goes, good. Now let's work this out. Will you trust me with your relationships? Will you trust me with your money? Will you trust me with your past? No, Lord, I just trust you with everything. Yeah, I, I trust you to teach me all the great songs. Yeah, okay, great. But will you trust me in the concrete particularities of life? And, and it's just sort of funny. Trust in him is sort of hard when it comes to that. Because it, usually we're moving from a place of greater dependence on something else to a place of greater dependence on God. And it's sort of hard. To the extent that we actually obey Jesus. Not be perfect, but it's great to believe Jesus. It's great to surrender to Jesus and even trust him. But there's something about doing something. Uh, imagine the demoniac. Some of you, hopefully, I hope nobody here can imagine what it's like to be a demoniac. But the demoniac, he, he had all these really bad things happen to him. People tried to help him. Nobody can control him. He had self-destructive behavior. He was a mess. And he was all by himself and he didn't bathe it was bad, okay? Somehow, someway, Jesus was in the area, and this guy felt the call of Jesus from a distance, like, 
There's Jesus. This is a guy who's absolutely messed up and he's possessing demons or demons possess him. And there he is. He's going toward Jesus. He's obeying that draw. He he didn't get it all right first time. Think about it. Think about being someone who's all messed up. And you hear the call of Jesus, I want you to do something. I want you to come. I want you to come. And you go, oh, all these bad things. Just take a couple steps. Well, that's what happened with the demoniac. He goes, all right, here I come. Imagine what was going on in his head. I can't do this. I stink. I'm self-destructive. Nobody can help me. I'm a mess. There's no way he'll accept me. I wouldn't accept me. I'll get there and he'll go, no, you stink. That's what my head would have said. Add to that, what were the demons telling him? What do you think you're doing? That's a holy man. You are not a holy man. You have demons living in you. We live with you. He's not going to accept you. Think about all the stuff that that guy carried. His own mental anguish, his emotional anguish, and he's packing critters. That's what we call him in North Carolina. He's packing critters, right? He, isn't it amazing that all that didn't keep him from taking a step? And then the next step, and the next step, don't worry, I know where it is. And the next step, <laughs> isn't that amazing? Do you realize that he wasn't completely free, but along the way, every step he took, he was freer than he was in the prior step? So to the extent that we develop our relationship with Jesus, really trust him in the concrete circumstances of life, and just keep on obeying, I'm telling you, more and more and more and more and more and more, we start experiencing how Jesus satisfies that deep cry for freedom. Now, there's two kinds of freedom. You can be freedom from something, and then you can be set free to do something. Jesus accomplishes both. I want to talk about a couple things that we can be free from. Now, There's one kind of freedom that I didn't put on the PowerPoint so I wouldn't lose you, okay? I'm I'm gonna throw this one in. Imagine it's true that God put eternity in our hearts. That's what scripture says. That means we know we're gonna live forever. That means we know that this is just a very short time here on earth and we're going to live for, he's put eternity in our hearts and and we can't escape that. Can you imagine living your life not knowing what your eternal destination is? I mean, really not knowing. There are people who don't know Jesus, they reject Jesus and they carry that hole with them that wherever they go and they keep on trying to have other things fill that hole and only Jesus can do it, you know, you know that. Could you imagine living your life, your best life and still not knowing where your eternal destiny is? That would be torment. That would be that low underlying fear that you can manage it, but you can't get rid of it. Jesus came to set us free from eternity and hell. Which, if that's all he did, that'd be a pretty good day in the office. Do you know what I mean? Here's the other thing. 
another thing. Jesus said us, he, he, he wants to give us freedom from our sins. Um, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. There are some things that we wrestle with. It could be addictions. It could be that stupid boyfriend who he's about as saved as an Easter egg, but he loves me. You know, all these sorts of things. You all know who I'm talking about. All right. That was a drive-by. <laughs> Where you know what you're doing is destructive. It's not pleasing to God. And it's like three steps forward, eight steps back. And you're held captive by that thing. Right? And you're trying to fix yourself up, and it's not working. Jesus says, you know, you come to me, I can take care of that. I can set you free from the pull of those things that are holding you down. But then there's another kind of thing that Jesus can set us free from, our our sins. It's the effect of our sins. Many of us have done things, and God, please forgive me, but we still carry around the layers of shame and guilt. All the woulda, coulda, shouldas, and if-onlys. And, and, you know, we know Jesus loves us. We know he's forgiven us, but we still carry around the shame and the guilt and the I'm marked for life kind of thing. When you actually come to Jesus, his blood will actually not only set you free from those troubling sins, he'll set you free from your bad anger problem. He'll, set you, he'll, he'll start setting you free from your promiscuity and your pornography. He'll do that. He's good at it. But he'll also wash away the layers of shame and guilt that you accrued from some of your past stuff. Jesus loves to do that. He also likes to set us free from our sin. Sins are what we do. Sin is who we are. In Romans chapter 6, it says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away <coughs> with so that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. What does that mean? Listen. Sin, our basic sin nature, even the most religious amongst us, our basic sin nature is I will live my life in my own strength according to my own ideas. And if you're religious, you may ask Jesus to come help you with that venture, but you're still in control. Um, The Bible actually in the Old Testament calls that iniquity. But our sin nature wants to do our thing and our way, even follow Jesus. We can be sinful Christians. We, have you ever noticed some of those people who go, well, I'm a better Christian than the, those others? Automatically, I know they're in iniquity. Because there are no better or worse, they're just more mature or less mature. Um, I'm not better than anybody else. I may just be further down the road than someone. God sets us free from this need and this desire to live our own life according to our own ideas in our own strength. Here's another one that Jesus sets us free from. Unbiblical thinking. I'm just trying to use my words well. If I was in New Jersey, I could be rude, but here. Did you know that there are a lot of really intelligent theories going around about what's true, what's right, 
what things should be. And they're done by very, very smart people, very, very sincere, right? Have you ever noticed that some of those things are very different than what Scripture teaches? Just, just saying, right? God's got a warning and an exhortation. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world system rather than on Christ. I'm just going to repeat it again because it's so powerful. It should offend almost everybody in this room. Almost everybody's going, yeah, 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 but what about? Yeah, but what about this theory? What about this issue? Scripture is clear. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world system rather than on Christ. I'm not going to get political. I'm not going to do any of that. But how do you know, how do you start going about discerning what's God's truth and what are the counterfeits? I'm not going to go through all of it, but I'll give you a couple ways to start the process. So, God created men, and God created women. God created families, and God created babies. And God the Father gave us Jesus, who's God the Son, and he's the only way to salvation. Those are just pretty basics. These were God's ideas. Any way of thinking no matter how persuasive, no matter how much it's backed up by the science, any thinking which is different from that and tries to undermine or water it down or push it out of the way, that's the hollow and deceptive philosophy. And many of you are going, yeah, but what about? Now, just so you know, if you, if you go, aha, that's an evil philosophy, it is against God, right? Then it's your job to say, Jesus, how can I love the world you, the way you love the world? I mean, look, once we know the truth, that does not give us a pass to rant on Facebook. There's another thing, oh, did you know that Many Christians are going to heaven, they love Jesus, and they're deceived and don't even know it. Did you know that? Actually, all of us. The process of sanctification, the renewing of our mind, is we had worldly thoughts, and as we follow Jesus, we throw off the worldly thoughts and have Jesus' thoughts. You know, when you get to the point where you go, huh, no more, no more hollow and deceptive philosophy, no more worldly thoughts, Great, rejoice, you're in heaven. Until then, (laughs) until then, there's always going to be something, right? Here's the last one that Jesus sets us free from, fear. This is really, really important. This is actually, if I could have just focused on this, I would have been fine, but at the beginning of this year, we have a very large church and we have three weeks of prayer and fasting. And so it's my job to sort of set the stage for prayer and fasting for our staff. And so I said, I t- it was just this challenge. I said, hey, y'all, 
there's some basics. You know, there's social media, there's this, there's that, there's food. There's a whole bunch of things we could fast, and there's standard. You, you can go buy books that will tell you how to fast in the standard way. And, you know, as you're led by God, go do that. But try this. In addition, ask God, God, what would you like me to fast? Right? And uh, I told them, I said, you know, I asked that question of God, and he said, to fast playing piano. Of course, I've never played piano in my life, but during those three weeks, I'm not going to do it. No, sometimes the Lord just, he knows what we're related to in a way that drains our spiritual strength. He just knows. And people thought that was really good. Very creative, very customized. And, And as I'm walking down the stairs after I gave my message to our staff, God spoke to me. He just whispered in my ear, fast fear. Now, actually, I didn't think that was the Lord. I thought it was a spiritual attack. So I came against that little whisper in Jesus' name. And guess what? That same voice said, fast fear. I go, all right, that's you. Now, I'm not given to fear. I I can be afraid if if an 18-wheeler is coming at me on the interstate. I'll be afraid. But I'm not a fearful person. People who know me said, no, he's not fearful. He may be stupid, but he's not fearful. (laughs) There's something that was deeply offensive. But I went, well, Lord, since you told me twice, Lord Jesus, I choose to fast fear. That's the only thing of obedience I could have done. And for the next three weeks, I was amazed how much fear had subtly woven into my life. Have you ever had a really, really good steak? You know, where, where, where the fat is marbled really nicely into it. And if someone were to say, remove the fat from the steak, you'd go, I might as well throw the steak out. I realized that a lot of my wisdom and my caution and, you know, all these things that I did, they were subtle disguises for fear. I was shocked. And it, it was so deeply woven, I didn't even know how to get rid of it. So, oh Lord, there's fear. I confess it. Please forgive me. And it's, after three weeks, it was amazing how differently I saw the world, how I operated in the world. I hadn't realized that I had gotten used to fear, but in a real subtle way. If you look through Scripture... Fear not, don't be afraid, is all over the Bible. And these are not encouragements. These are actually commands. Don't be afraid. Stop it. Don't be afraid. Can you imagine Jesus just coming up to you? You know, he doesn't like to enable us and go, well, I understand your fear, it'll be okay. No, Jesus actually goes, no, stop it. But I can't, I've been afraid. Stop it. If Jesus commands us to do something, that means... He really wants to help us do the thing that he commands us to do. Fear not. Don't be afraid. One of my favorite scriptures is in Luke chapter 1. It says, He has come to his people and he has redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear, in holiness, and in righteousness before him all of our days. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it 
What would it be like to follow Jesus in such a way that he sets us free from fear? All the marbled in stuff and and the big kind. What would it be like to serve the Lord, to go through all our challenges without fear all our days? Sign me up for that. If you're a Christian, we don't want to die, but there should be no fear of death. Many of us are afraid of dying. Many of us are afraid of our past. Yes, Jesus has forgiven us, but we know that our past is going to catch catch up to us and just bite us right in the butt. Some of us are overly preoccupied with the enemy. Ooh, the enemy. I mean, we have to respect the enemy. But I'm telling you, the enemy's the enemy. He's got demons and all that sort of stuff. But here's the enemy, here's us, and then here's God. It's not even a fair fight. It's not even a fair fight. Many of us are simply afraid of the future, as if God is making up the plan as he goes. Many of us are just afraid of making mistakes because we were raised in an environment where if we made a mistake, it would hurt us, that we were not safe if we made mistakes. Many of us are afraid of change. Many of us are afraid of conflict. And in in this culture, we're afraid of getting canceled. So be quiet. Hold your views to yourself. Just play it safe. Peace. Safety, well-being are more important than the truth. Some of us are just afraid of man, people. We are designed by God to care about what other people think, what they might do, depending on what our actions are. It's actually a sign of wisdom. You know the guys who go, I don't care what anybody thinks, they're fools. They're fools, biblical fools. We are created by God to care about what other people think and what they might do. But the fear of man is a snare, it's a trap. The fear of man is when we know what other people might do and the prospect of what other people might do overrides what we know God wants us to do. That, and I'm... That is the fear of man, and it's a trap. Sometimes we're just afraid of our calling. I'm not talking about our Christian career, but God has got callings for each and every one of us, exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ask for or imagine. There's things he wants us to do, right? And many of us go, that's great, but I'll probably fail, and that's too crazy. I know God loves me. I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to play it safe. I'm just going to be a good Christian and do right, but I'm done taking steps of faith. I'm done thinking that God has more for me than I'm currently experiencing. I'm done. I'm going to play it safe. It's fear. God wants to set us free from fear so that we're free to fulfill our callings and our purposes. Every one of us 
has two questions that scream for an answer. Who am I really? And why am I here? How did God really create me? And what's my purpose? And the world has a whole bunch of opinions. We have our own opinions, but God created us. He's got the answers. He's got the true and complete answers to those two questions. And he's even got the path so we can experience his answers to those two questions. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. Do you realize that God's got a plan for you? And your best plan with, as much, with the most coffee you could ever have, with the most background information, where you even exhaust Google, get your best plan. It won't even compare to the plan that God has for you. God wants to set us free from all those things because he loves us. But he also wants to set us free from these things so that we can experience who he created us to be and to accomplish the purposes for why we're here on planet Earth. It's a mark of maturity to not settle. In Philippians chapter 3, this is what Paul says, forgetting what's behind. Forgetting what is behind. There's this one thing I do. I press on to lay a hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid a hold of me. And those of us who are mature should take such a view of things. There's some keys to experience this spiritual freedom. But before I do that, I want to talk about another movie. Anybody see the help? Raise your hands. Well, some of you are just not going to heaven. <laughs> anyway, the story is, is this, uh, it's like in the 50s or 60s in the South, incredibly segregated, incredibly racist. Um, and uh, a whole bunch of black ladies were serving a whole bunch of white ladies in their really nice houses. And there was this one white lady who was incredibly secure, incredibly mean, and she hired this black lady who was, you know, she loved God and she loved this lady's little girl and she was just, just a humble servant even though she was being hurt and criticized and all that. Well, anyways, the white lady started getting really mad, getting a little jealous. Um, there was a whole bunch of things behind that. For those of you who've seen it, you know what I'm talking about, that pie. Anyway... <laughs> Still can't believe. My kids, when, we, when they watched it, they're going, did that actually happen for real? <laughs> anyway. So she decided she's going to fire her, her black maid. And she set her up and framed her. Yeah, you stole something from me. So she fired her. And this, this, this black woman, it, I didn't get up and scream, yeah, but I wanted to. She got up, went right to this black, uh, this white woman, and she was so mad, but she had it under control. He, she did this. She confronted her. Go, you are a wicked woman. But she, it, it, she wasn't trying to dismantle her. She's just telling her the truth. And then she switched to compassion. She went, "Ain't you tired? Ain't you tired?" 
Here's this woman who's carrying wickedness. It's normal for her. And this black lady, she just went, that's wicked. Ain't you tired? God's word to all of us is, ain't you tired? Ain't you tired? Ain't you tired of carrying what you carry? Ain't you tired of managing stuff that Jesus wants to set you free from? Ain't you tired? Here's the first thing, the first step. You got to come to Jesus. If you have sin, sins, fear, and all that, don't do anything to fix yourself. Stop right there. That's religion. Religion says, come to Jesus after you've fixed yourself. Get yourself fixed. Get over your boy- boyfriend problems. Get over your, 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 your sexual problems. Get over your addiction problems. Get over that so you're presentable to God. That's really sincere. But it's religion. It's bad. God hates that. The gospel is you take your nasty self, you take your fears, you take all your excuses, you take your past, and you drag them into the presence of Jesus. That's the gospel. Ain't you tired? Come to me, all you who are tired. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. You cannot give yourself rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden's light. Now, Jesus already knows what you're carrying, but you've got to tell him. You confess it. If we confess what we're carrying... If we, if we, we can c- confess our lost nature, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sin, if we confess our unbiblical thinking, if we confess our fear, if we confess that, what does Jesus do? He rolls his eyes, slaps his head, and I can't believe I died for you. No. <laughs> he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins. And he will cleanse us or purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, it's great to to get forgiven. But you got to decide who's going to own this problem once you've gotten forgiven from it. There is a kind of surrender. In uh, 1 Peter, it says, cast all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, because he cares for you. You have an addiction? Say, I have this addiction. And he goes, I know, I I forgive you, I cleanse you. Jesus, I I give you this addiction. I'm tired of owning this thing. And then the next thing you do is you act. You gotta do something. You gotta do something to make it real. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Sometimes you got to do the thing that you're afraid of doing. This boy, I love him and he loves me, but I know God's not happy. Well, figure out a way to break up with him. 
And if you can't do it, get all your big brothers to break up <laughs> for you. <laughs> Taking a step. Or, I've been in church all my life, but I just realized I'm not saved. Well, take a step and give your life to Jesus. There's just a step. Or, you know, I've been playing church for so long, I thought I was better than other people. Oh my gosh, I need a relationship with Jesus. I have a great relationship with church, but I have, well, come on. It's the step. Like that demoniac, when he took the step, every step he took, he got freer. I know what I'm doing. I'm not going to have anybody come up because we don't have the time. But I'm going to give us all opportunities to take a step. If you acknowledge that fear has been woven into your life, either in big ways or little ways, I ask you to stand. Wow, I guess it's a word for us. You cowards. And if there's anybody here who deep down they know that they've been going to church, they know they believed on Jesus, they know that God has been good to them, but they haven't, they haven't given it up. They haven't signed over the ownership papers of their life to Jesus. If that's you, you're probably already standing. But if not, please stand. Because Today's the day. Now's the appropriate time for you to settle this thing. Who owns you? You, the world, or Jesus? And here's the third thing. If in your heart you know you're far from God, you know you're a son or daughter from God, of God, but you're far from Him, stand up. Most of you are already standing. And just come on home. No questions asked. Jesus will go, hey, I know all the stuff you did out there. I know all the games you were playing. I know you've been more religious than real. Come on anyway. We'll take off the old clothing. We'll wash you up, put you on new clothing, and set you on your way. God wants to restore even the prodigals amongst us. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and our music people. You can't do it like a, a prayer time without music, right? Holy Spirit, I ask that you come and you do what only you can do. God, for those who know that they know that they know that they know that they're not in. They're not in. God, I ask that you give them grace now to say, God, I give my whole life over to you. Please forgive me. Come live in me. And for those who have been far from you in their hearts, for whatever reason, God, just speak to them just like you spoke to the prodigal. Just come on home. Just come on home. God, breathe on many of my brothers and sisters who need to be restored in a fresh way to you. And for those of us who struggle with fear, who know that fear is familiar. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over the spirit of fear that has become oh so familiar to us. Our culture, the world system, has made fear our friend. In the name of Jesus, I declare 
that the voice of fear will starting now become the voice of a stranger. And God, your love is not a pat on the head. Your, your, your love is stronger than anything. It's stronger than death. Your love is perfect. And your love has the power to drive out all fear. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, I don't even know how you do this, but I ask that you would pour out your love on every fearful heart. Every fearful heart. Expose the fear and start driving it out. Our hearts cry for the freedom that you, were crea- that you created us to experience. God, drive out fear. Make familiar- freedom no longer the convenient excuse. No longer the thing that keeps us from doing right. Lord, you are no friend of fear. God, I ask that you, you would bring healing simply through being delivered from all our fears. God, set us free from our sin, our sins, unbiblical thinking, and fear. Set us free so that we can experience more fully your plan for our lives. We want to fulfill every part of your plan for our lives. And we want to pursue that all the days of our lives without fear. Amen.